there's quite a lot on the docket today. It may even become two episodes. We have I think it could be on three episodes. Hot on the heels yeah. of Elon Musk's purchase of one of the biggest social media platforms. Maybe you've heard of it. Twitter. Um, previously, Twitter. Just a real backstory because I think this context is interesting for understanding how platforms evolve. Twitter began as 140 characters, um, a 140 character message. You could even send a text to Twitter and it would yes. become your tweet. It, Which I think was, is a uh, a feature they should bring back because I don't want to have to go on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But I do want to have to tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can just, you could, a, a Twitter, Twitter would just be text. You, you, the only picture you'd have would be your profile picture. Uh, you couldn't thread things together or connect them very easily. You couldn't retweet people. You, if you did, you'd have to put RT in capital letters and, and copy and paste the username and the person's tweet, which means that if their tweet was close to the limit of characters, then you'd have to cut something off or not use it. Um, there were lots of limitations, formal limitations. Now, we've also been using this new app, Be Real, which is has very limited functionality in a very interesting way. You have to post a picture and a selfie at the same time. Uh, a time is chosen randomly in the day for you and all your friends in the same time zone to do this, um, and uh, and it's sort of it's bringing back this limited functionality of Instagram, which is what Instagram what made Instagram so interesting, but also uh, Instagram became a victim of its own success in the way that it attempted to absorb all kinds of uses, uh, live streaming, uh, video calling, direct messaging. Um, the sort of Snapchat style stories feature um, social media's networks as they expand their following expand their functionality and then lose their novelty uh, and Twitter has most certainly gone through that process um, it has become a, a, a an absolute must for any public figure who wants to build their profile uh, or a corporation or a brand or a short film or uh, anyone who wants to be part of political conversation uh, it's become essential to be on this website twitter yeah i think i think we should go back a bit and just talk about what some of the basic social functions of twitter are because it's not actually often talked about people kind of assume a set of social functions and then talk about the platform and the way it's changed and the way it's kind of has a kind of technical history but also has a kind of a political history as well without addressing the way in which twitter is um required by or fits into a certain niche within kind of broader social arrangements uh, broader social arrangements mm-hmm. um Twitter has a bunch of different functions. It's not just one thing, right? One of Twitter's functions is to provide, in some ways, like continuous ongoing structure, the, the continuous ongoing structure of addressability. So addressability as in everything that is that exists has some sort of um, reference, right, that it, you can like, refer to it. And that's often a URL, it's often, and like the URL of a particular tweet, mm. right, that you can point at. And it, it, so Twitter is a kind of a, a universal system for pointing at things. Yeah. Right. That's kind of its, in some ways, its um, uh, it, one of its main its main social functions. Um, it allows you to find examples of things that are general common knowledge, and point at them. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of kind of things that don't have addresses, right? Um, common assumptions about how the world works, mm-hmm. which are then cashed out into Twitter. Um, or cashed out into like condensed tweets that remove lots of the nuance from the way in which that particular yeah. thought works, and often and this is massively incentivized by Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you can make a tweet that expresses something that no one has ever consciously thought, but everyone knows is true, yeah, 
then you can go viral on Twitter. Like it's basically yeah, yeah. the rules for going viral on Twitter, right? Yes. 100,000 likes, 200,000 likes, mm-hmm. you, know, you name it, the sky's the limit. And so Twitter incentivizes the, the explication mm. and, address, and, and production of the addressability of certain common thoughts, but also every object in the world, right? Every object in the world has a certain kind of like um, addressability because, it, because it, it, we, Twitter invites you to comment on and critique and understand and address and talk about objects in the world you know, mm. i like this thing i like that thing mm. you're know, kind of just like in, in in the life world right yeah because it's incredibly low commitment uh perhaps instagram stories has some of this functionality as well right is that people walk around and they they see a nice thing and they put it on their story i'm thinking yeah. of a, a mutual friend of ours hi george uh who does this all the time right this yeah. is kind of the main way which uses low risk sharing. extremely low risk just like sharing of yeah. like objects low risk but low return yeah perhaps well, I don't know, in aggregate, perhaps not. The other social function of Twitter is to, um, I'm sorry, in this, I should say, this addressability extends not just from objects in the world, but to all brands, all events, all, uh, as everyone you were naming before, all political ideas, all, you know, this kind of thing are all like, um, made addressable by Twitter. The other thing that it is useful for is providing, or the other thing it trying to, tries to provide is something like the public sphere, the town square, whatever kind of metaphor mm-hmm. you want to use for this particular institution, which is a system of um at its kind of idealized limit collections of feedback within society that are supposed to moderate the way in which society is organized or modulate yeah. it rather not necessarily turn it towards some sort of common uh common moderate mo- middle ground or anything or even some sort of nuance but nevertheless to manipulate the way in which society functions yeah so is this like a kind of um as an example like i remember in 2011 when the riots were happening um, in London, there was a, a journalist at the Guardian called Paul Lewis, and lots of people said, "Follow Paul Lewis to find out what's happening at the riots." Rather than people saying, "Read the Guardian," they were saying this particular individual, and it happened with the Irish Spring as well. People would be like, "These journalists or these activists will tell you what's happening," and then that that created like a kind of a map, a new kind of map for how we understand a, an ongoing event. Yes, that's a part of it. But I was also thinking about it in terms of. Twitter affording it being a kind of open space for mass collective action, mm-hmm. which changes things outside Twitter, mm-hmm. right? So um, and a good example of this would be something like the actions of the BTS army, right? Okay. The BTS army is a kind of, a, um, it's a fan group for the uh, South Korean pop boy band BTS, yeah. which you've heard of if you've listened to this podcast. Um, but uh, but they're, they're kind of an activist group in some ways that are yeah. um, very keen on um, promoting like trans rights, um, often matters of kind of social justice more broadly and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an international group of people which have... How defined is that by the politics of the B- group of BTS? BTS's politics are somewhat vague. I would mm-hmm. describe BTS's politics as NGO, mm-hmm. right? They are, um, you know, believe in yourself, trust yourself and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, the most depoliticized of NGOs. Uh, they are technically um, UN envoys for peace, mm-hmm. But then again, so is I think Angelina Jolie, and yeah, like, but, so it's, it's, it's kind of a. But do they totally sig- signal boosts uh, the, the 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 kind of m- the more explicit political demands of their followers? N- um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that's ever happened. No, mm-hmm. but th- but there's a the reading the, the capacity for collective reading mm-hmm. and collective wishful reading on the part of the army, uh, which is the name of the, the fan group again. Um, is that they that, that means that I think like the 
the music videos, which are genuinely quite asinine at the moment. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that about all BTS's work. They definitely were interesting before, but like... Someone's a bit afraid of getting... Increasingly... from the BTS army. No, I, I, like, <laughs> I genuinely think BTS's early work was great. And like, mm-hmm. I think their most recent work is shit. Mm-hmm. If you want to come after me for that, <laughs> fine. Whatever. <laughs> It'll be the biggest response like, we've I had to an episode. Yeah. <laughs> the only response. I don't know if um, so that, that. So, yeah, Twitter affords a platform for mass action on mm-hmm. the internet which does genuinely manage at sometimes to to mod- modulate things that happen in outside the yeah. in, in outside twitter so the idea that like it's just tweeting or that it's mm-hmm. kind of just online and so on this is total nonsense it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense there's no separation between the online and the offline it's not a real distinction etc so but i think lots of the frustration around twitter as a kind of a platform mm relates to the incompleteness of this general feedback mechanism. Mm. So Twitter is supposed to be the public sphere. If it's supposed to be the system by which we express opinions about society and those opinions change society, then it's grossly malfunctioning. And it's not grossly malfunctioning because of anything that like is happening on Twitter. Um, so people have this, this idea, they will express opinions. So, sorry, something will happen, it'll be critiqued, it'll be changed in the world, society will improve. Right, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, right? But the feedback loop, uh, the, but the, the, the kind of the process that there's outlined there has like lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of steps, and people place way too much pressure on the first three or four of those steps, all of which happen on Twitter, mm. right? It's about the addressability of something, it's about the visibility of something, yeah. it's about the the capacity of articulating the critique well enough, mm. it's about um, Twitter uh, promoting the critique, uh, you know, and so on, and spreading it through networks and so on. Th- those things are not where the problem is, mm-hmm. and, and therefore. Twitter is a kind of a an object that has a design space, which for simultaneously fulfills these extraordinarily uh, useful and productive niches within society. Namely, it produces things that are addressable. It produces a, a, the semblance of a social sphere and so on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, it's outside the design space of, of Twitter to actually make any of the critiques on Twitter operable in the real world. Mm-hmm. But because we're used to criticizing platforms, People are like, oh, the problem is with Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and they say, oh, this whole site, oh, this kind of you know horrible place. But actually, yeah. But then again, you know, we're t- we, we this episode will cover Twitter as a platform. What could change under Musk's leadership? What we would potentially potentially want to change, and whether there needs to be change. Well, what one one? I mean, without I think kind of. Yeah, I mean, just staying on the on the matter of kind of the the broader critique of the broader kind of position of Twitter within society for a second. Um, one other thing I should say is that the critique of Twitter from the left, in particular, fits within I think, or is understandable within a much longer history of the left's critique uh, or a sets of reflections on its its own failures and successes. Right, the left is pretty effective at doing um, producing things like. Um, uh, Forms of social amelioration, uh, mm. uh, matters of recognition, and so on, mm-hmm. has been historically pretty effective. There's a whole discourse about woke capital. I think it's very important, very interesting. Mm-hmm. We can get into, but there's also a, uh, but it's in histor- historically unsuccessful in, in, mm-hmm. in some very obvious ways. Right, we don't live uh, under communism, mm-hmm. um, and th- and therefore the uh, and part of the the way in which um, part of the way in which Twitter functions in this is by replicating or allowing for the same kind of critique that has been historically expressed by the left about the reason for that failure on the left, which is namely that the left has been betrayed. Mm-hmm. The left has been betrayed by a particular set of leaders mm-hmm. who failed in their revolutionary potential. And this is, of course, in some ways, like a 
uh, possibly a true thing. I don't know. I have no particular opinion about whether or not it's true over the long duration of you know, leftist politics. It is, however, a very useful thing to think. If you are also some sort of other leadership, mm-hmm. if you are some sort of other system, set of elites within the left who could take power from the, the leaders of the left, right? They have failed and therefore you need to put in, in kind of in, in charge. Mm. Yeah. And so in this tension, or sorry, in this example, we can see the tension between two very distinct uses of Twitter that are nevertheless often and persistently conflated because it's useful to their proponents for them to be conflated. Mm-hmm. Namely, the propagation of ideas of the left mm-hmm. and a certain degree of careerism on the part of um, particular people on the left, yeah. right? And so the, the, so frustration about or with Twitter, I think is mostly derived from a misrecognition, a kind of false consciousness on the part of people who have particular careerist demands, uh, particular careerist aims in mind, yeah. saying that because Twitter does not <laughs> allow them to become um, relatively successful in the mm. uh, vastly uneven networks of the left on the internet, mm-hmm. that is a problem of and for Twitter mm-hmm. as a whole, as opposed to being a matter of kind of intra-elite competition amongst uh, different fractions or different parts of the left, all of which are vying for um, essentially individualist careerist goals. Uh, in that, I mean, uh, the th- first thing that comes to mind is, I guess, people like Owen Jones who are leading figures on the left and very much, I would say, wouldn't be were it not for a particular form of communication uh, that's exemplified by Twitter or that's been caused by Twitter. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's pretty good on TV as well. Yeah, but I think a kind of uh, a way in which the, yeah, a way in which, but TV, I mean, it's, you can't you can't do a simple equation where you minus Twitter from from our culture because I think, yeah, sure. Like TV is full of tweets all the time, full of and, and full <laughs> yes. of tweet Twitter like takes, like twit like Twitter invented the take. I mean, Twitter changed how headlines are written. It changed how people do op eds. Um, it changed how people do journalism. How people um, uh, source uh, their sources. How how people that like people you know there was this whole thing of you know follow me so I can DM you or my DMs are open. I mean, the way in which journalists reach out to the the person who's 15 minutes of fame it is um yeah has changed how journalism happens i mean i i um i've seen people who've written books about countries they haven't been to you know based of, based on twitter you know so i think there's so i think that kind of transformation in the the overall structure of opinion making right mm-hmm. is part of the addressability i was i was talking about earlier right on the one hand addressability means that you can point at things mm-hmm. and means that you can engage things directly um and that means that events have a take on a quality of being discrete that is they take on a quality of being um addressable or pointable to whereas in fact they are um most events of consequence are massive systemic transformations in the the kind of the overall structure of life which is not an addressable object unless you can kind of cash it out into a particular you know um, phrase that neatly summarizes what that change is and on the other hand it, so it means that things can be pointed at but also it means that pointing at them removes them from their context and therefore you get these kind of slightly fragmented slightly kind of um on uh incomplete notions of of uh, uh, takes and, and how th- how the world kind of works and so on right um in which in which it allows people to do things like <laughs> write books that country they've never been to. yeah 
Um, yeah, it's a different uh, epistemology. Am I saying that right? It's a different way of knowing things. You're saying that right, Ralph. Yeah, okay. You went to the right school to say that. That's okay. I, it's, a, it's not a word I feel particularly comfortable with. <laughs> and it's not <laughs> a word I would want to use just kind of uh, because of my... Um, Elon Musk is a figure we've discussed a few times in one of our early episodes. You made the very good point that um, while the left may have valid critiques of... Uh, Elon Musk's total disregard for labor politics, uh, you know, uh, unions, unionization, and, and, and workerism, uh, while he may be a kind of, uh, you know, a kind of provocative troll, while he may have uh, built his wealth off the backs of, of many, many exploited um, people, uh, he he does provide answers to questions that the left have zero answers for. Um, and that is uh, most exemplified in his pursuit of space travel uh somewhat exemplified in his pursuit of kind of uh non-carbon uh emitting or extracting uh travel uh in the form of tesla and um now in the form of asking us very vaguely quite provocatively it may not really come to pass it probably doesn't you know matter to him much deep down uh if we're going to be cynical but a uh, a question of how we make social networks uh, less centralized, more transparent, um, and how we take a kind of fact of life, an infrastructural uh, kind of road system for journalism at the moment, like Twitter, um, uh, how we take that into the next phase of the history of the internet. Yeah, so I should say that kind of the answer, this is not a outstanding technical problem. Um, there are decentralized social networks. They exist. They're, they're pretty scalable. Uh, one example one is Mastodon, mm-hmm. which is a terrible name, but whatever. Um, ma- the, the Mastodon we- uh, network basically means that people run kind of federated servers, and those servers can point to each other and be kind of networked together. But there's no centralized node, whether it's there's a thing called mastodon.social, but like, you know, uh, it's, it's relatively important in the hierarchy of relatively centralized nodes it's, it's nowhere near as important as twitter is to twitter um and these 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 individualized these individual servers run their own networks where people can join be kind of members of them uh, and then you can follow people across these different federated networks and so on it's much more like a collection of uh, individual clubs which have members that you can move between them the reason why mastodon has not had mass uptake is not technical right the problem is not of having a technical um uh, solution to the problem. Uh, yeah, the, the, the limitations are not technical. The limitations are that the uh, Metcalfe's law, which is the law that any network technology becomes exponentially more useful the more members of it there are, applies to Twitter and as it does to Mastodon. And therefore, Twitter is always going to be more useful because it is the centralized version. Um, and therefore, decentralization is antithetical to some of the basic network properties. Um, of Twitter, mm-hmm. is this also true of, of this concept of interoperability? That's it. That's part of it because it means that people can build technologies that interface with a with the Twitter API, and because that's the kind of the standard, therefore it's easier. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be a problem for something like Mastodon because the API would be the same because it's open mm. source technology. But it means that everyone updates simultaneously. But is there is there a fork in is there a fork in the road where we could have had a much more interoperable decentralized internet? from the get-go so what do you mean by interoperability so interoperability i mean um that so i can create a profile on twitter and that 
profile and this and what I like the sort of points I earn in that world can be transferred or used on a different platform owned by a different yeah. thing. Um, you know, um Mark Zuckerberg says, you know, the reason he wants the metaverse to be uh interoperable is because um if you buy a t shirt at a gig, you don't just want to be able to wear that t shirt at the venue of the gig. You want to be able to go to other places and wear it. Um and so the idea of I mean I yeah, again it's not an endorsement of his vision of the metaverse, but that's how he defines interoperable. Um clearly social networks like Instagram and Twitter rely on on people being dedicated to that platform, being stuck on that platform, not being able to drag all their friends to a new platform unless yep. there's a significant gimmick um and a kind of significant sense of novelty. And that's why uh after an initial phase of certain social networks kind of uh kind of peaking and troughing like MySpace and Bebo and Tumblr, we basically settled on uh, a very small ha- handful of platforms that have endured for twelve years now. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh and well, other search engines like Google and that's just like there have been certain and YouTube, like platforms that have have just on on the, on the basis of being the place to go making it simpler for there to be just one place that everyone goes um have just become bigger and bigger as you say in metcalf's law the centralization has helped those things grow um i think i i i, I haven't read um peter Thiel's book but i <laughs> i was about to refer to it so i'm glad you brought I, it up yeah i'm zero to, to one yeah. zero to one exactly i'm told he has a a very uh, coherent thesis of monopolies where he kind of basically says that actually uh this 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 kind of drift this natural drift towards monopolies away from kind of free markets is actually good which would which is very convenient for uh the founder of paypal for instance these these you know again a payment system is another thing uh where it's easier i remember actually with phone networks obviously now we have things like WhatsApp and calls and texts. There, are, you know, most phone plans have like uh, unlimited calls and texts. But there was a time where you would, you could get a pay-as-you-go SIM card or a very cheap pay-monthly deal where you would have free calls to people on the same network, um, and then it would charge on another network. So there'd be this sort of sense with your people you talk to often. You'd be like, oh god, can you get on O2 or can you get on Orange or whatever. Um, but yeah, like. I mean, I suppose emails and texts are interoperable. I mean, email, you can have an email server, you can be with Gmail and you can send an email to Hotmail. Um, that's that's an example of, of a sort of an infrastructure that is kind of supported by different competing markets, but uh, creates a shared network. Um, Twitter and Facebook and WhatsApp, all these social, these Web2 social media platforms have centralized, uh, in, uh, non-interoperable um qualities yeah so that, that's email as a messaging standard mm-hmm. right whereas uh twitter's website yeah or, or platform rather perhaps it's a website so but in terms we, of how they interact with our lives you have different ways you, you can choose to email and then you're interacting with with a messaging standard or you can choose to tweet at someone like you have these choices and one of them is is taking part in a centralized system where you're being given information via an algorithm that isn't you know that isn't accountable to its users or to anyone um, and then, yeah, the other one is a kind of a more basic 
as you say, a messaging standard. Yes, yeah, so, so so Mastodon, the thing I'm mentioning, mm-hmm. is a, is is basically the much more like email. It's a messaging mm-hmm. standard. It's a, essentially a, a set of open source standards for the way in which you yeah. construct a server such that it could have a kind of private community that, that mm-hmm. could also interrupt... Uh, uh, also, kind of link to other communities. Um, I think it's it, so. The, te- the discussion I think should really be about um, why it is that this, these things have not been taken up. Yeah. Right. Because uh, they exist. They're technically feasible and so mm-hmm. on. The problem is have not been for years, and they have been for absolute years. Right. The problem is not technical. The problem yeah. is a broad social problem. Yeah. In the same way, the things that people find frustrating about Twitter are broadly social problems yeah. rather than technical problems with Twitter. Just that we we exert a great deal of pressure upon. Twitter, in much the same way as Twitter makes claims for itself that are much more broad mm-hmm. than it than it than, than it can it can actually achieve. So there's a kind of a, there's a solutionism in the the language of Evgeny Morozov, but there's also um, um, equally and oppositely a, a kind of a, a platform critique that um, bends to the the basic dictates uh, the, 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 sorry the, the basic kind of presumptions of solutionism, which is that the the the, the thing to be critiqued or the thing to be understood is mm. fundamentally technological. Yeah. Um, not that technology is not important, but they're just like not the mm. not the important aspect here. Um, yeah, and, and the misrecognition of, of the importance of technology is is is, is the thing that makes means that the criticism of, t- of Twitter um, circulates uh, uh, around itself rather than uh, really getting at the heart of the problem. But platforms and the way in which platforms rely on reward systems, I think, does complicate the delineation you make between. A, mo- a, sec- a social and a technical problem. Yeah. So, so we we've both listened to this podcast, uh, FD Weekend podcast, um, on woke capital and 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 kind of the moral currency of on of Twitter. How uh, it starts with this guy describing a particular tweet about how when you go hiking, um, you shouldn't. Uh, if you're faster than other people, you shouldn't walk ahead of them at your own pace and then stop and wait for them to catch up because you got a rest and they didn't. And then the tweet concludes with this line, like this applies to so many situations. Um, or like, I'm just noticing how this applies to so many situations. It's kind of a passive aggressive, like, you know, you should really like think about other people, shouldn't you? Um, and yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's sort of a differential in which the, the tweeter is the, the moral character yeah, and exactly. you are not. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you have to think, you have to think for a moment about whether or not you're a good person. Uh, yeah, so this tweet is, is, is an example of moralism on Twitter, an example of moralism that's been rewarded in a particular way. Uh, I think it can be very credibly argued that um, certain kinds of content are more likely to prol- proliferate on uh, platforms that are engineered in certain ways and per- platforms that have certain algorithms, certain ways of responding to things. The idea of retweeting, the idea of replying, now this new downvoting feature they have, uh, the favoriting, all these different responses to a particular piece of content allow for only certain kinds of emotions, only certain kinds of ways of affirming people. If someone like likes your tweet but doesn't retweet it, then they're sort of, they're, they're kind of, it's a more private, intimate gesture. If they're retweeting, they're like as- hoping to be associated it, with it in some way. I know people say this thing on their profile or used to you know, retweet doesn't in, it doesn't mean endorsement, but you know, broadly it does. Broadly, there's a sense of like alignment. I'm with her. I'm with him. Um, and so all these like the platform Twitter, in some ways, you can very clearly see features on Twitter evolved as a result of lot large amounts of people doing certain things with the platform, 
doing them in a clunky way, like copying, pasting the word RT when they wanted to retweet someone. Eventually that meant that like um, they created a retweet button. Yeah, Twitter created and encouraged certain kinds of emotions through the functionality of its platform. Uh, Therefore, someone else taking it over and in a centralized way um, uh, influencing, you know, uh, how people can respond to things um, changes it again and changes the way a whole um, population of people think and feel. I mean, a really good example on YouTube is they got rid of the dislike button um, because of small cases of people being bullied, apparently, or kind of subjected to kind of mobs of people disliking videos but the dislike button well there was a dislike button but it just removed likes it didn't create a kind of visible ratio between likes and dislikes and the vi- the visible ratio between likes and dislikes was extremely useful for looking for videos that DIY videos or digital tutorial videos that teach taught you how to do things that ratio of likes to dislikes could very quickly indicate whether the video was useful or leaks of tracks whether the video was real now it's much harder to ju- to judge that sort of thing. So, so the functionality that a plat that a the CEO of a company uh, decides to put in a platform is, I think, absolutely crucial to the way people use it. And especially now that we're at a situation where it is extremely hard to imagine people moving on mass to a new platform. If you were going to add one new feature to the repertoire of different things you can do to a tweet, right? So there are four things you can do to a tweet: you can reply to it, you can retweet it, you can quote tweet it, and you can like it. There's a base, and you can. Or there's a fifth one, which is kind of implicit, but it's never. It's not a function of the platform. You can screenshot it, which is in some ways like more dismissive, yeah. more like I'm not even going to give this the kind of thing. I'm not going to let this person know. Yeah, that, that, that I've done this. With it, yeah. yeah, and you can of course like, do other things as well. Yeah, yeah. You can subtweet it, for example. Also, re- uh, screenshotting right? suggests it might be deleted at some point, and you're trying to. Yes, precisely. It, yeah. So, so th- there's a there's a kind of repertoire of different ways in which you can respond to a tweet. What other thing would you add into that repertoire? That would allow that would kind of propel Twitter forwards. A kind of a way that you could respond to a conversation. Uh, you could respond to a public tweet privately, and then have an interaction in private, and then mutually agree to publish that discussion back onto Twitter. Interesting. Yeah, go. Yeah, it's good. I thought of that quite quickly, but I, I, um, I think we say things in public in a different way to the way that we say things in private, um, and there's different kinds of accountability associated with those. I mean, different people. Some people just are quite kind of brazen and brash on both sides, or shy, and in both in both contexts. But I think it would be interesting to see someone say something. I mean, so this is a little bit similar to how Instagram works. Uh, although where you where someone will post something and then you can reply to it and talk to them privately there is the Instagram so Instagram posts have comments in public um, which are not used that often and Instagram stories have a private message reply button so that is the sort of sliding into the DMs thing you slide up and you start messaging someone this is often how relationships kind of start Um, but uh, but um, or flirtations Um, but there isn't the possibility to kind of say, oh, okay, this was kind of interesting. And this, uh, and, and I like, I'd like to share this with people. There, it did, did used to happen when I was at Sixth Form College, I had, I was kind of getting to grips with my own uh, politics. I mean, one, one is always, but particularly kind of getting immersed in new left ideas. 
and um, there was a chap at my sixth form college who uh, who was more on the right, and we kind of had a had a back and forth that was quite um, chunky in the paragraphs. On this is on Facebook uh, in response to a status I'd made, um, and it was pretty productive and pretty civil and uh, and pretty dynamic. And I think nowadays it would have gone more down down the kind of angle of oh, I'm too tired, exhausted to engage with this person who doesn't agree with me or like whatever, they're an idiot or like, you know, there would have been something that person had posted already that it just would have just kind of turned me off them completely. Um, so I think the kind of social structures... You know, basically, I, basically, I want people to be able to disagree with each other in a kind of civil and engaging, open, curious way that's like full of criticality uh, and not and like free as 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 free of paranoia as possible. The, so the, the kind of broader question there about um, what incentivizes exit and what incentivizes loyalty, right? What incentivizes yeah. network splitting and what incentivizes the kind of the ongoing tussle uh, yeah. between people. Um, and I, I don't think those are necessarily technical questions that can be resolved in. Um, so we have a we have a mutual friend um, whose job it was to uh, be involved in some of the design of the coronavirus testing website. Yes. Um, and his job was limited by essentially by departmental kind of mm -hmm. uh, fiat to deciding where the buttons would go on the web page, like which order they would come in, and which which order yeah. the uh, bits of information, your address, and so on, would be asked for. Um, and uh, the the intention ostensibly was to incentivize people to get tested for coronavirus. Yeah, didn't work, and the reason it didn't work. Well, it, 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 Quite a lot of people did get tested for sure. Yeah, uh, but they got tested partially because um, tests became much more available and, uh, yeah. and so on. So th th there was there was a kind of a um, there was a kind of a, a shifting around of the little kind of uh, buttons of things, basically, mm -hmm. um, or the kind of minutiae, uh, because the central question could not be posed. Right, the central question was like, would you get uh, sick pay? Automatically, if you found positive, tested positive, and therefore would you not have to like call in sick and lose mm, money? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's the reason people didn't get tested, but that was inadmissible to yeah, the department yeah. of uh, whatever it was. It was um, beyond their pay grade. Yeah, essentially, or kind of like a totally different part of the system. And I feel like the the things that, that contribute to the feeling of exhaustion, the things that contribute to um, the feeling of 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 incentivizing incentive towards network splitting, blocking someone, and so on, mm. rather than engaging with them. Uh, are all the things that are very much beyond the scope of platform design. Mm. I think exhaustion is a like a historical condition yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, produced yeah, totally, by, totally, totally. Um, yeah, rather rather than condition of, of of being on the internet. But I I do think, just coming back to the example of me and this sixth form guy, like, you know, we were in a when you're younger, when you're at that age, that sort of funny late teenage phase, you don't have those kinds of responsibilities. You don't. You're not worried about losing your job over something you've said in public you're not like um you know you have a certain freedom to play with ideas and you're not you're not as fearful maybe of, of the consequences and therefore having that conversation in public didn't feel at all dangerous uh, for either me or the, the, the guy um and also i think being able to yeah so that the reason i suggest that feature is like you know, the intimacy and accountability of a private conversation between two people who disagree, where it's then agreed 
later on to kind of share it or share a portion of it um kind of it encourages um encourages an okayness with disagreement or encourages a settlement i mean you you could easily end up with people just kind of playing to their own galleries i suppose but the at the risk of just kind of leaning towards you know inhibiting motivation rather than constructive motivation the the features we currently have particularly quote tweeting which i think again it's it's a response to a thing people were doing anyway clumsily um you know like they were people were just screenshotting other tweets or like um or like quoting like quoting bits of tweets or just sub like you know that functionality was happened because people were quoting other people's tweets and saying new things so the quote tweet came in i don't know how long ago probably 5 years ago now the quote tweet like gave rise to this really um just m- like this m- totally mocking derisory um uh aggressive often sometimes paranoid uh response of one person to another person how could you possibly think this this is insane this is this this is this thing i don't like in action you know that form that process of being able to do that to someone else's content to your own audience in front of your own audience uh incentivizes mockery I, i would say and therefore it shouldn't be difficult to create a platform that does that less and does a good thing more added to that i would say then that then the question is okay so if we have a decentralized social media platform where or like a or like a direct democracy like motivated platform something where these sorts of feature innovations are decided um through like a through a process of collective decision making online which i think functionally technically could be quite easily done um where would that you know where would that land where would that land the platform what kind would it just would it would it would it just be overtaken by people's worst instincts i'd i'd be curious